Hi, it's Tiffany from Talk Tea Speech. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Talk Tea Podcast. This is episode six. Today's episode is the importance of building trust for increased toddler communication. Now, of course, I know as parents, your children do see you as a safe person and they do trust you. But here in this episode, I'm really talking about being a trustworthy communication partner and how we want our children to feel like their feelings and what they want to communicate are valid. And I think sometimes that gets difficult because as parents and as speech therapists, we are so focused on wanting them to talk and communicate with us. So sometimes that manifests itself as us asking too many questions, prompting too much, providing constant verbal models. And that really puts a lot of pressure on our kids. And then that makes them retreat and not want to talk and not want to communicate. So that's why we really want to talk about trust. One thing to understand first is that there are other valid ways of communicating aside from verbal spoken language. So we have some kids who can communicate through gestures and just them initiating back and forth communication. Like let's say they're imitating you. That's a form of communication. So just because a child is not speaking, that doesn't always mean that they're not communicating. So that's One thing to keep in mind as we go through this, when I look at my daughter, of course I want her to talk and be able to speak one day, but I think that the way we get there is to take that pressure off and those demands to speak on command. I think it's really important that kids know that we respect their communication in whatever form it comes in. I've noticed in the past when I had my speech therapy sessions, if I was so hell-bent on a child following every single command or playing with a toy a certain way or making sure that they imitated me before we moved on to the next activity, that made things so much more frustrating for both of us, me and the child. So when I really learned to let go and follow their lead, no matter what that meant, that really made things a lot more smooth and I think that's the key. When they feel like we are respecting what they want to say, how they're playing or following their interests, that will make them want to initiate communication more, want to play, and that will all lead to more increased speech and language skills. So now that we know trust is needed, how do we get there and how can we build it up so that our toddlers feel safe with us and comfortable to talk back and forth? A couple strategies that we will go into detail with are being on eye level with our children, providing them with wait time and silence, and following their interests. Okay, so first up is being on eye level with our children. So why is this important? We want them to feel that what they're saying to us is respected. We want to hear them. And if we're standing up tall while they're, you know, they're on the ground because they're shorter, (laughs) we don't want them to feel like we are talking down to them. So there are also benefits here where when you're on eye level, they can see your lips and your mouth, how they're moving for sounds, how you're using all of these structures in order to be able to speak. So the added benefit here is that they can see your oral motor structures and how you're speaking. They can see your lips, your tongue, your teeth, how you're using all of those things for speech. 
you want to be able to show that there is mutual respect there. What they have to say or communicate or tell or show you is important. So the next time you're talking to a toddler, squat down, get your squats in, sit on the floor. That's also something healthy and good to do for your body. Um, But just as long as you are on eye level with them and communicating back and forth that way, that is a good place to start. I remember a story that my professor told us once that she would go pick up her son from daycare and when all of the kids were running out, they would also run to her as well. And she said that a major part of that was because every time the kids would run out, she would bend down and be on eye level with them. And the kids really gravitated towards her because of it. And I think it's so true, you know, even now when I go to daycares for speech or just go going into people's homes for early intervention, the first thing I do is make sure that I get on eye level with the child or the children at daycare and really show them that, hey, I'm here to communicate with you and I'm a person that you can talk to. Next up is wait time. So this strategy is probably one of the most difficult for parents and speech therapists because we actually have to stay silent. That's not always easy because you want to go back and forth with your child. You want them to talk back and forth with you. So when they don't immediately answer, your automatic thing is to give them clues and give them models and give them things to imitate. Sometimes that's a lot of pressure for them. Just imagine if somebody asked you a question and you didn't answer. So they kept asking you over and over and over again. I'm pretty sure that that would not make you feel good and it wouldn't make you feel like this person has a lot of faith in you. So for example, let's say somebody asks you, what are your plans this weekend? And you take a while to answer and they're just like, are you going to the mall? Are you going to go bowling? Are you going out with your friends? You like to go eat. You love food, right? Don't you love food? What are you going to eat? A salad? Like how annoying is that (laughs) if somebody just incessantly just asks you questions and gives you clues on how they want you to answer. That's how our toddlers feel when we give them a prompt or a question and we don't give them any time to process or to even think about their answer. They're going to really retreat back off and not want to answer us at all. I think when we don't give them that time, it really demonstrates that we don't have faith in them and we don't trust that they're going to be able to give us the right answer and it puts a lot of pressure on them. It's like being quizzed and tested, which none of us like to feel. So we want to put ourselves in our toddler's shoes as well. When we're giving too many questions, too many prompts and demands, That is just going to be a recipe for disaster. And yeah, I mean, there are kids that maybe will be able to answer in that type of pressured way, but do we want our kids to have this frantic feeling just trying to answer a simple question or to communicate with trusted people? Um, We don't want to increase their anxiety just for them to answer or be vocal or verbal. We want them to initiate communication because they feel safe and comfortable to do so. And that's where we'll get even more language and communication. I find that this one, you know, wait time is just difficult because we're so used to adult communication where it is back and forth. I ask a question, you answer, 
you ask a question, I answer. We're so used to that. But when we think about our little ones, it's they're still developing. They're still learning that art of going back and forth in a conversation. So we really have to give them a lot of grace. And it's just really important that we're giving them that time to process. So how much wait time is appropriate? I think this will vary from child to child and you can feel them out and see how it goes. But often we want to give so much wait time that it almost feels awkward, like someone should have spoken up a long time ago. You know, think about that because it's so easy for us to jump in and be and be giving clues and cues, but give it extra, extra time. We want our children to have time to think about it and give a thoughtful answer and not one that's like pressured based on time or how quickly they can answer. This can be especially difficult if you're a speech therapist and the child's family is around you and you ask a question or you give a verbal model and the child completely just doesn't want to talk or doesn't want to respond to you or even give you anything at all. And I totally get it. I've been there. And I think here, all you have to do is just provide that education to parents about how important wait time is and just be truthful about it and say, okay, I know this is awkward and, you know, it's it seems like we're just sitting here in silence, but when we do give that silence, it really helps our kids process and be able to give meaningful answers. And you can also talk about that trust factor, that when you are giving them that time, you're trusting them to take in the information, respond back to you, advocate for building trust through wait time. Okay, on to the next trust building strategy, following a child's interests and following their lead. This one can be tricky because I think it can be confusing about what really is following a child's lead. To me, it's about really supporting what their interests are and going with the flow on however they want to play and communicate. For example, let's say you have an activity where it's a bunch of cars and a track for the cars. So what we may think is the appropriate way to play with these cars is to drive them on the track, right? But some kids, maybe they want to line the cars up or maybe they want to stack the cars up on top of each other. You're there to provide a very rich language environment while they're playing the way that they want to play. When they see that we're letting them explore and play in different ways, it makes it more fun for them and it also validates that we trust them so that they can trust us back. I think there's a lot more awareness surrounding intrinsic motivation these days. And that's what what that means is that these kids are motivated on their own to participate because they want to participate, not because we are demanding them to play and demanding them to play in a certain way or use toys in a specific way, we are really allowing them to explore and play with toys how they want to, and they are internally motivated to participate because we are following their lead. I think that's definitely more common knowledge now, but I still will see some people pushing back on that saying, well, won't that mean that the child is just going to walk all over you because you don't have any boundaries and you're just you know, they never have to listen to a direction because you're just completely following their lead. And that's not 
what following their lead means. It doesn't mean that you're not providing boundaries. It just means that you are showing the child you trust the way that they're playing and that you're going to support and guide it. So let's just play out a scenario where a child may be playing with a toy inappropriately and you need to provide a boundary while still following their lead. Let's say the child is taking a bunch of toys and throwing them across the room. This is how they're trying to express themselves and how they're trying to play. But how can you make it safe and also fun? Maybe you bring in a big box or a big basket for them to throw the toys into. And you tell them consistently, we're not going to throw the toys all over the room. That's not safe. But we can throw them into this box. And as they throw it, you catch it into the box and say, in. So you can give them verbal models while you're doing this as well. And you're also providing a boundary. So one, you're being consistent with your phrasing. We're going to throw it in the basket because it's not safe to throw it across the room. Now, is this a realistic scenario? Yes, I mean, toddlers will always throw. Is it realistic that we'll be able to catch all of these toys into this box and all of a sudden it's going to turn into this amazing play session? Sometimes, and if it's not, then that's where you provide the boundary of, okay, we're gonna move on to something else now so we can keep you safe. You are providing the boundary, but I do want you to try creative ways to turn that scenario into something that's fun for the child while also being language rich. Am I saying that there definitely won't be any tantrums? Nope. They will probably definitely tantrum during these situations when you're trying to guide them into a different form of play, but you have to see what works. And what's so important about us as parents and speech therapists is that we need to be flexible and be able to pivot. I can never say the word pivot without thinking about that scene from Friends where Ross is like buying, he's like, has that huge couch and he keeps saying pivot, pivot. That's really us. That's how we need to be in order for our toddlers to feel the trust from us. And when we can be more flexible, then it sets a good precedent for them as well that they can be flexible and they know that we are there to support and guide them even if they are having a tantrum, even if it gets difficult. We want them to feel like we are their safe people and the more that they can feel safe and comfortable with us, the more communication we're going to get. Because our kids and toddlers can be so unpredictable from day to day, we need to be their stable person. We need to be able to set expectations and boundaries so that they know what to expect each day. So those three strategies that we mentioned for trust building, eye level, wait time, following their lead, those are three things that can really make them feel safe and that they can trust us. They know that every day they can have somebody that will be on eye level with them and make them feel seen and heard. Wait time. We're going to give them that silence, that time to process and have meaningful thoughts so that they can communicate with us back and forth. They can also expect us to be able to follow their lead and follow what they want to do so that they can play and communicate with us. So once you really have this understanding of how important it is to build trust and how important it is to use those strategies, 
I think it's important to also educate others who are around your child to be able to use the same strategies. We want it to be consistent across the board. So whether your child is at home, at daycare, at their grandparents' house, at school, we want everyone to be on the same page so that they can carry over these strategies no matter where the child is. And how great is that? The more that you educate others who are around your children to be able to use these strategies to build that trust, it's just more people to be those stable people for your child. That stability, that comfort is really important for children in order to feel like they can express themselves and communicate to you. And we really want to be cultivating that trust. With those trust building strategies, the child is going to feel more at ease and that will give them more desire to communicate instead of that tense feeling of not wanting to be wrong, not wanting to say or communicate the wrong thing. They'll really ease up and be able to initiate communication to want to play. And that's really how they're going to learn. And just remember, all of this really takes time, so don't feel guilty if you haven't been doing this recently with all of those strategies. I can totally understand how tempting it is to continue to provide verbal models and be giving prompts constantly because we want our children to talk and it can be really frustrating when you know they can do it and you're just trying to push them to get there. So I totally understand, but start out slow with these strategies and see how it goes. I can really promise you that they work, especially when our children feel like they're safe and they have that time and trust from you and trust in themselves. It really does work to increase that communication. So just to recap our three trust building strategies, they are being on eye level with the child, giving them wait time and following their lead. So start out those strategies one by one and let me know how it goes. But I trust, no pun intended, that they will really be successful and you will both feel great, you and your child. Thanks so much again for listening to this episode of the Talk Tea Podcast. I'm really grateful to be able to do this from week to week. If you like the podcast, please consider giving it a five-star review. As always, you can reach out to me on my Instagram at TalkTeaSpeech or find me at my website, TalkTeaSpeech.com. Thanks so much again, and I'll talk to you on the next one. (laughs) 